Hi guys and welcome back to the Female Fitness Podcast. I'm your host Danny, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Gareth who is now from Coach Accounts and we'll come into that in a little bit more detail. Um, he owns his own accountancy firm as well as his own gym and today we're going to talk a lot about setting yourself up for financial success as a coach from an accountancy perspective which is a subject that I think most of you listening to this podcast need to hear more about and probably aren't educated about enough and it will have a really positive impact for you to listen to this podcast on your business and your peace of mind when it comes to where to go when it comes to accountancy and managing your finances. So Gareth, first of all, what what is your background like for people who don't know where you come from? What is your background as an online coach yourself? Like how did you get into the industry? Cool, that's a good question. There's, I do a bit of everything at the minute. So, um, bit of background. I've been coaching so six years. I started six six years ago. I started coaching. I'm sure you'd have been coaching about that time as well. That was what we'd call like the OG days of coaching, even though it's only six years ago. But it was like that's kind of like old school coaching days, um, when we used to just like coach and text message and like write up a like rubbish little spreadsheet. But I've been, I started only coaching about six years ago. And main reason I got into that was I used to be in the police the police service and I really got into watching YouTube and like at that time it was like Rob Lipset and Steve Cook and all that were got that was the time when they were all quite big. So I seen they were all doing coaching. Went to an online coaching I never did one to one personal training. Um I still not qualified PT. It would never interest me, but I fell into an online coaching world. And then I think I coached part-time for like three years. And three years ago I took coaching full time and I obviously, if anyone knows me, I own a business um, called the Physique Collective. My coach at the time was Joe Jeffrey, and then for me, their coaching really, really blew up. And um, we had our own little niche in the market, like for bodybuilding. So I got—I wouldn't say I definitely have got a big name in coaching, but I got a decent enough reputation in coaching. I built my clientele up to like a hundred plus clients. I did like—I really, really enjoyed the process of coaching and understood every single thing about it. Um, um, and that's been six years. Two years ago, I started the business called the Physique Collective. Everyone knows that. Um, myself, Joe, and Matt Christian used to be an owner in the Physique Collective. He's just like recently left. But the Physique Collective was an education-based business to basically help bodybuilders. Um, and obviously, we do in-person seminars, etc. And we've got a phone application. And then last year, I opened up a gym, um, an actual physical gym in my hometown. And through all this, I Thankfully, one of my best mates, who's now a business partner, Jamie, is an accountant. Um, and through all this, what I came to learn, having engaging with so many coaches and getting to know so many coaches, is coaching is a very lucrative market for making money. Like it is, un- like if you go to the outside world and tell people how much an online coach makes, they are like, "How on earth does a coach do that well?" And then you explain it to them. And they don't understand it's a hundred percent profit-driven business. And for me, me and Jamie used to sit down and say all the time, there's like, oh my God, people are so bad with money. People are not doing this, people are not doing that. I was hearing the coaches getting hit with this VAT bill, people getting hit with this tax bill, keep people not having books. And then I've been doing it over the years, and obviously with the physique collective, and I dealt with the finances for them and had the gym. So I was dealing with all these kind of well running these businesses. I was managing the financial aspect of it. And then I think it's about nine months ago, Jamie and I kind of sat down and we're like, right. Why don't we try and create something for the fitness industry um, in terms of finance? So create an accountancy firm that specifically helps the fitness industry, but become it in a different manner. Um, the way I like to 
kind of pose the service that we offer is it's like online coaching for your money um, compared to the average accountant. And that's, yeah, the reason we the reason we co- made coach accounts is pretty much because of my background in coaching and just getting, seeing the disaster that was happening with a lot of people and going, right, this needs help. People, These people have got accountants, but they're not getting the service they need or they're terrible with money. And then, yeah, ultimately it's allowed us to kind of apply this business to the kind of world of online coaching and PT in. Yeah, that's really cool. And I think it's good for the listeners to hear that you've actually come from an online coaching background yourself. So you understand how the business works and therefore that has an impact on your ability to serve them as an accountancy firm. So what would you say that, what difference do you have in your accountancy firm that most accountants don't, that allows you to serve online coaches better like what differences would you have in the service well uh this is the nobody take this effect as offensive you're only coach but only coaches are very needy and impulsive they want things now it's 2023 nobody's willing to wait for things you know what i mean like coaches yeah. are really really especially bodybuilders actually are really needy and impulsive and what and this is no backlash to the, your average accountant because ultimately that's just the service they provide an average accountant it's an accountancy firm you go into physical office and you maybe got them once a year and they do your bookkeeping. They maybe even don't do your bookkeeping, but they'll do your return for you. And there's no there's no relationship building. There's no knowing the client, understand their life, understand their wants or needs. And the difference between us is, like I said, it's kind of like online coaching for your money is we wanted to offer a service, two seconds. We wanted to offer a service to people that was, right, you get 24-7 access to them WhatsApp, just like you give your clients. Right, we do your bookkeeping for you, but we do it every single week so we can always give you that most up-to-date financial position, right? We're actually going to look after your personal finances as well. So we do their budget and we look at their pension schemes, we look at their investments, we look at helping them get mortgages, we'll, we'll do all the returns for them, but every single month we sit there and calls our clients as well. So like every aspect of this business that I want you to do is right. Look at what online coaches do, because you'll know this, Danny, for being um, in this industry for years. Online coaches provide a very, very unique service that no other industry understands. No other industry gives people access all the time on WhatsApp, where they get replies on a Sunday morning. Nobody gets check-ins weekly. Like it's a very, very high level of service that coaches provide, whereas other industries don't. I'm like, cool. How can we apply that to accountancy? Because that's what coaches need. I know most other companies, may, uh, other industries might not need that level of service and don't want it. But what I realise is, like, especially for your clients, like people want things now and the average accountant was not providing that. And I was like, well, let's go and go, let's go and give that kind of... Yeah, so it's probably more customer service is what we a bit differ. Obviously, we do the exact same things in terms of tax returns, VAT returns, all that stuff, but it's more about the service we give. Like we know all our clients. All our clients speak to us. We get on a call every single month with our clients to go over their position. So probably that's what kind of separates us um, from the average kind of accountancy firm. Yeah, and I guess in a way, having those <laughs> calls with you and that contact with you it probably acts as a form of accountability as well from a business perspective and therefore likely helps some people with their business success because they know that they've got that call coming up. They know they're going to have someone looking over their finances. That in itself is probably a bit of a motivation to push things. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's even a personal finance accountability as well because see the amount of people that prior to us just spend money willy-nilly on things, but now like, 
obviously been operating six months now, so um, operating five months now. So I've had initial clients um, we've had for five months now, but even now I've noticed every single call we get on now, right, their spending has dropped dramatically. They're aware of every single thing that's coming in at the bank account now, and they feel so much more confident, right, like how their money is, because obviously they have to turn up to me every single month. And ultimately, because we do their bookkeeping for them and we are their accountants to see it, there's nothing that can be hidden. And that's people, some people might not like that, but ultimately that's an accountant's job to know everything about your business. But what allows us to do is to help them with the finances and help them. And like, we've got guys that are now going away and get mortgages, never thought they'd get mortgages. The guys that are now going away and investing in things, never thought to, like pensions, for example, I'd seen 100% of, 99% of your clients that came to us didn't have pensions in place. You know what? Who's getting pensions in place now? You know what I mean? So it's just like having that monthly call, especially for us as well, it allows us to kind of just sit down and get a touch point with them and then gives them a kind of, like you said, every single month accountability. They never, they shouldn't, you should never, ever get caught out on your tax bill. You should always know what it's going to be. You should always be saving for it. You should never get caught out with unexpected costs because you know exactly you're planning for it. Whereas... I say to the coach all the time, even if you're not going to count it, go and sit down for two hours a month or one hour a month and just look over everything. Just lay out the land, see where you sit. You'll feel a lot better about it. And that's essentially what we provide. Yeah, because I think a lot of coaches just probably turn a blind eye to it. And they're just like, oh, I'll just deal with that when my tax return comes by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if we've got some that obviously still get a bit like that. And I'm like, look, just face it. At the end of the day, it's like anything when you when you've you hide from something, you always seem to feel better as soon as you face it. It's like a fear. You always seem to feel better and like, just face up to it. I mean, if it's in a terrible position, trust me, I would have been telling you long ago that it's in a terrible position. It's quite evidently in a not bad position. Otherwise, I would have told you three months ago that it's shocking. You know what I mean? So it's just being aware of it. And like I said, growing people's businesses as well, the difference in that, just because now people know how much more if they need to maybe invest in a mentor, if we, or even just, am I investing my business expenses into the right, avenues to help that business grow well we can sit down and go over that now and like you said we've got clients that especially after december um a lot because obviously the cost of living crisis november december was a terrible time for most online coaches it's been really good to see the growth through all these businesses that we work with now over the last few months by just being on top of things and just knowing exactly where the finances are going so we can channel it to the right place yeah and for anyone listening to this who is in that position why they're just shying away from it and they're they're not really staying on top of their finances they don't really know where they're at trust me like you need to see an accountant I went to see my accountant when I I think it was like the third year of my business or something like that and I got my tax bill through and I was literally like oh my god like that is literally all the money I have like I'm going to be spending all of it on my on my tax bill so I went to an accountant like help please <laughs> and he sorted me out and then since then I've had an accountant and it's been the best decision that I ever made. It's financial peace of mind Danny I say this to like people all the time like you cannot buy that peace of mind because people always think about like how do I grow my business you grow you know you grow your business by taking risks that's how you grow a business you grow businesses by taking what's it calculated risks things that you're going oh shit is this going to work is it not going to work calculated risks now if you're someone that is anxious about their money has no idea what's going on with it no idea how much you've got sitting there you're less likely to take these required risks to grow your business but you can now if you're sitting down and you're laying at the land you know exactly what you're due you know exactly where your outgoings are you know exactly what you've got there like 
it makes it much easier to make these required risks to grow your business. So it's like, I call it financial peace of mind. There's nothing better waking up in the morning and going, fine, I know where everything is. You know what I mean? Or these guys are dealing with it. Like, you can't, I don't think you can put a price on that. doesn't matter how rich or poor you are. They can't put a price on just waking up and going, money's fine. You know what I mean? I know mm. where I'm going. I know I need to invest in this, but I've got the funds there and I've got allocated and it's fine. So that's financial peace of mind is probably the number one thing that I talk to people all the time is like, you can't buy that. And you only get that by, unfortunately, kind of facing music. Yeah. And if you have that peace of mind, it'll impact how you're able to show up within your coaching business as well. Again, contributing to, to more success. Mm. And so as a personal trainer or online coach, we usually start off as a sole trader. Most people do. When might we consider becoming a limited company and what actually is the difference between the two for those who don't know? So I'll explain the difference first. So easiest way to describe it is the main thing is actually the liability and actually how it's operated. So if you're a sole trader, technically it's not actually a business. It's you as a self-employed individual. So it's not a business that operates under a business name. It's just Danny Bosworth for Gareth Buckin. That's all it is, is sole tradership. You are liable for everything that happens in that business and every single penny profit that comes in that business is yours. You can do anything you want, mate, after you paid your taxes. It's all your money. Now, obviously, sole tradership is the easiest route to go down if you're starting a business for the main reason is it's very simply register a sole trader, get a bank account, and then you'll pay tax in the normal way that an individual who maybe works for the bank or Tesco's pays tax in the sense that you get tax fee allowance, you pay your 20% tax, you pay your national insurance. If you're a student loan, you may be paying all that off. And it's pretty, it's, it's very, very easy. You do your tax self-assessment once a year, and that's pretty much all your obligations. Limited company, on the other hand, is a corporate entity. So it's actually a physical company that gets made, and the liability to you personally as a limited company is less for the reason is when you become a limited company, you are merely a shareholder in that company. The, the only shareholder, I should say, so you own every bit of it, but you are the only shareholder of that company. So I like to describe the difference in the sense if you open the gym, right? If you open the gym as a sole trader and a limited company, if someone was to hurt yourself in that gym or if someone was to sue you or you were to get hit with a massive bill that you couldn't pay and you got made bankrupt the name. If you're a sole trader, they could they could come after you personally. They'd come after your house and come after your anything you own, anything you your assets, etc. they come after you personally. If you're a limited company, they can only come after anything that the company owns because you are merely a shareholder in that company. So you think that the liability to you personally is less. You're not going to lose your house. You're not going to lose anything you own personally because you're you're merely a shareholder in that company. In terms of what's the difference, when you come a limited company, it gets really, really confusing in the sense that you've got so much more legal obligations. You have to submit a corporation tax return. You also still have to do your self-assessment. You have to do a confirmation statement. You have to actually legally keep bookkeeping because HMRC can come up to you and ask for it any, any time. You need to have a business bank account. There's a lot more you need to think about doing, paying yourself in separate manners, et cetera. It, the, and the reason why you see a lot of people, you might be going, why, do, why would you ever go a limited company then if sole tradership so easy? There becomes a level where becoming a limited company is just more tax efficient to you as a person. And I, the easiest way I can describe this is it's always more tax efficient to be a limited company. Right? It always will be more tax efficient to be a limited company. But it's a minuscule amount until you earn that high tax bracket. So I always tell people is if you are 
an online coach with very little liability, i.e. you kind of get sued. So if your physical premises, etc., always be a limit. Come to be fierce. Online coach, if earning under that high tax bracket, which is 50K and 43K in Scotland, sole tradership, it's easy. Stick to it, be that. We work with a lot of sole traders, and it is. Obviously, we deal with everything for them, but in terms of like their liability, it's easy. Once you earn over the high, the high tax bracket... I would then advise looking at your limit company because at that point, the difference in savings is thousands rather than hundreds. You know what I mean? Like it's worth doing the extra work required. It's worth, worth having all the extra legal obligations because ultimately you're saving more money in the long run. So easiest way I like to describe it, low tax bracket earner, stay a sole trader, high tax bracket. That's when you look to move into that kind of limited company structure um, for your business. Yeah. For those listening, could you just repeat what is that high tax bracket? So when might people consider moving over to being a little So in Scotland, it's, well, I imagine most people are English, but I'm in Scotland. So in Scotland, we unfortunately are high tax bracket starts at, I'm not going to get the exact figures, I actually can't remember off the top of my head, it's like £33,700. So anything earned over that is taxed at 40%. Anything under that is 20%. In England, it's 49500 and something. So you get your first 49k at 20% minus your tax free allowance, which is 12,500. Anything over 49k is taxed at 40%. The, the reason why it's more tax efficient to be a limited company is the dividend tax. So dividends is how you pay a show, which we can get into is so you think about your low tax bracket rates are 20 and 40, and your high tax it's for high tax brackets 40, dividend tax, low tax bracket is 8.75. High tax brackets, 33.75. So you're saving 6.25% tax in div- by paying yourself on dividends. So I and the reason is basically for that, because the high tax bracket, you do move up into that 40%. So anything you earn over 49k, take 40% off, plus national insurance as well, plus student loan if you've got a student loan. So <laughs> there's also there's that point just makes complete sense just to kind of move into the corporate structure at that point and take on the more kind of legal obligations. Yeah, 100%. And if someone is going to move over to become a limited company, would you say it's pretty much essential then to have an accountant rather than trying to do your books yourself? Depends. Like I'm not going to say, I'm saying, come to us, come to us, we want you as a client. Yeah. <laughs> We'd love to, but it depends on what, how much you know. At the end of the day as a limited company, you probably will need one when you do your corporation tax return um because it's a bit more complex than doing a self-assessment um depends on your business ideally yes i would say have an accountant even if it's not us where we are like a service-based accountants where we work with you every month etc if even worst case scenario go to like an accountant once a year and pay that one-off fee um i wouldn't look at doing your corporation tax returns etc yourself because at that point it just like like i said you do anything wrong as a corporate structure then They'll come after you. You know what I mean? The positive to being um, moved from being a sole trader to a limited company as well is that VAT threat, you know, the VAT threshold is 85,000 pounds. It resets when you become a limited company as well. So if you were a sole trader and you were getting close to that VAT threshold, but you're not breached it, you're getting close to it. As soon as you become a limited company, resets because it's a company. You're just a shareholder in the company at that point. So there's also that to look into why it would just make sense um, just to set up that company. But hope that answers the question. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I just thought it would be good to give the listeners an idea of like when that higher tax bracket would be and when they need to have have a think about potentially becoming a limited company. Because mm-hmm. I know that a lot of 
there will probably still be sole traders because they maybe don't know any different. I've um, got, we've seen people that are sole traders who earn six figures and I always ask them, what on earth are you doing? And they're like, I just never knew. Um, and yeah. then I sit down and go to them, right, cool. This is how much you've earned. This is how much tax you pay as a sole trader. If you're a limited company, it's how much tax you pay and it's like half. And they're like, oh my God. And I'm like, yeah, like it's so essential at that point to just change yeah. it. Yeah, it's a bit of work. Takes a bit of work. There's a lot of work to be done, but it's worth it. You know what I mean? It's worth putting more money in your pocket. A hundred percent. And if someone has a full-time job, so they're employed full-time, but they coach on the side, would this affect your advice on if and when they might become a limited company? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. The way the easiest way to describe it is if you're only if you're a part-time online coach and you've got a full-time job, but your online coaching is what I'd call fun money. You don't require it to live, it doesn't pay your mortgage, it doesn't pay your food. You use it for fun stuff or just like extra money. That you should most likely set that up as a limited company. And the main reason is you will pay, you'll only pay self-assessment tax on the money you need. Whereas let's say, for example, you've got a full-time job and it earns you £50,000 a year, right? Every single penny you make for your, every single penny profit you make for your online coaching as a sole trader will be taxed at 40%, which is horrible. You know what I mean? You make 30,000, yeah. you make 30K extra as an online coach, say goodbye to about 16, 17K of that. You know what I mean? Because ultimately you're a sole trader, your whole income gets taken into account. Whereas if you're a limited company, you pay corporation tax, which is just your company's tax, which is taxed at 19% on your profits. And then you only pay self-assessment tax so on the money you need. So if you made 30K that year for your corporate com- company, you only need the five grand there. The other 25 grand is sitting there in reserve. You don't need it all. You only pay tax on the five grand. You know what I mean? So it's much more effective there. It depends on where how much money you earn for your current employment. If you do require your... Um, actual online coaching money to live it may be different but in generally 90% of people I speak to especially they're usually in the stage of building their coaching up their their normal job suffices and gets them by I would say limited company have that on the side and then it means that money is yours you're not getting taxed and you're not going to pay an absolute fortune to the tax man every year on your coaching earnings yeah that makes sense 100% and so we've spoken very briefly about sort of claiming expenses and, you know, that having an impact on how much tax you'll pay. Are there any sort of key things that we should be claiming as online coaches or personal trainers? Not protein powder. Not protein powder. <laughs> <laughs> had, so, nah, to be fair, I've had, we, get, we get this question all the time for clients, like, it's part because we obviously have them on WhatsApp. We generally get this must be 10 times a day. Guys can expense this, guys can expense that. So I've seen it all. What I will say is everything you expense has to have context. So if you tell me right now, can I expense my supplements, my protein powder and whey? On that basis, no, you can't. However, there may be if you are buying it in for marketing. For example, you may be marketing on social media or you may be giving it as a giveaway, etc. That's different. So things takes, com- uh, takes context. But things that people don't actually factor in, you're an online coach. You've got an online coach that's staff training. Ultimately, it's investing in your education. You learn from your online coach to become a better coach. So if you've got a coach at the moment, that's 100% a business expense. A business mentor, that's 100% a business expense. It's staff training, you know what I mean? 
possibly your gym membership. If you PT at your gym or you work with clients, etc. at your gym all the time, you could be expensing that. Mileage that you do for work, people, so many people miss it in their mileage that they could be claiming. You can claim 45 pence a mile off your profit. That is unbel- That's a high amount of money if you make sure you claim your mileage. Probably the biggest one we see home office expenses that people don't do. You know, people don't realize that they can claim part of their rent, their mortgage interest, their council tax, their electricity, their heating, their Wi-Fi bill. You know, I mean, all these things, you can claim quite a big percentage of these back off your profit and can be reduced off your tax bill. And then I suppose the other thing, especially in the context of coaches and bodybuilders, client shows, client photo shoots, travel to client shows, accommodation for client shows, when you're traveling for work, the food subsidies that you need around it, you can claim that back. Um, I suppose the biggest one I probably will say that isn't actually a business expense because people do it all the time, but there is a benefit to it, is client meals. <laughs> people are always like, oh, it's a client meal, put it in the business. Technically, it's not a business expense in the sense that as a corp, as a limited company, you won't save corporation tax in it. So you won't, it won't get deducted for your profits. But as a client meal, it is an allowable expense to, and it's and it, it's allowable allowable expense in the sense that if you pay for it your business, you'll not pay any personal tax in it. So you'll not pay any personal tax in it, but you still will pay corporation tax in it. But that's one thing: is client meals. Oh, I'm taking my client for a meal. I'll just buy everybody's meal. I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> still going to get taxed in it, and um, they don't allow it if it's client meals. But yeah, there's, the list is endless. I suppose if anyone's got any questions, drop them a message because it's context matters the most. Because I've had so many things where people are like, I don't think I can expense this, and I'm like. What are you using it for? And they tell me, I'm like, yeah, of course you can expense that. Your phone, right? Cool. Is that work phone? Yeah, great. How much is it for work? 100% it's for work, right? Cool. That's, a, that's an allowable expense. Let's put that through. You know what I mean? Um, so there's lots that can be expensed. But with coaches, it tends to be things like your, your coach, your mentorship, possibly your gym membership. Once again, context applies to that. Possibly things like supplements, etc. Once again, context applies to that. It's not just everything you buy, um, but definitely things like travel to shows, travel to photo shoots, travel for work, um, tickets, outfits, etc. Stuff that you're doing that for that specific event. Um, but it, it's done on an individual basis. It's context applies, I suppose. A lot of people yeah. might take this. Um, well, I was just saying, like, I'm just going to go and buy everything at Gymshark, and then. A business expense I can't do that there's got to be context to it and this is why obviously having an accountant matters because we can sit down and look at every single transaction and tell them obviously mm-hmm. what is an expense what isn't but the list is endless and what people miss out on um for actually expensing for their business yeah obviously online coaching <laughs> is still relatively like new like you said we were sort of in the OG phase and that was only six years ago are there any sort of like blurred lines around what you can and can't claim due to it being quite new still not really because ultimately at the end of the day it's just dealt so online coaching is dealt in the same sense as online consultancy 
So it's treated in the same way that if you're an online consultant, if you're an online, remember like business coaching, business mentoring, that's been there for years. That's what we are treated as basically. Obviously, we've got a fitness and sports and recreation element to it, but there's no really that many blurred lines. Once again, the way I like to describe it is nothing is off limits in terms of business expense. There isn't like a defined list of these things aren't and these things aren't. Nothing is off limits. It's context applies to, and the always way I like to describe this to people is, if HMRC were to come to you right now and say, ask us, why is that a business expense? You need to be able to explain how that improved your business and how you required that in your business. If you can do the two of them, it's an expense. Yeah. I mean, if you can justify that, it's an expense. So anything could be an expense. Um, you just need to be able to sit there and go, right, cool. This helped grow my online business, my coaching business, or I needed this to do my business. And if that's the case, expense it. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of uh, putting it. Is there anything else that coaches you find are commonly claiming that they shouldn't really be claiming alongside meals out? Yes, bodybuilders should try and claim their gear. Right. <laughs> Did they actually try and do that? Yeah, I've seen that a million times. Um, oh, that's I've hilarious. Those, I've seen those bank transfers. I'm like, what is that message? What What is this transaction? They tell, they, they tell me, oh, it's PEDs. And I'm like... Yeah, you shouldn't be honest with me. You kind of claim that. Like how it helps towards my um, business in terms of my market and stuff. I'm going, right, cool. We'll just get HMRC down. And you can tell them that, that you're buying. <laughs> no, it's probably, Yeah, tell them that you're buying PDs to support your business success. No, nah, just like, no, no, don't do it, please. Just if you've got to do it, pay for your personal stuff. Then that's probably the biggest one. Client meals is a big one for me. That's the one that we see constantly. And it's not to say don't put client meals through as a business, because like I said, you you save personal tax on it anyway, but you'll still pay 90% corporation tax. But what I see people do is they spend more money than they should, than they probably would have, just because they think, oh, it's an expense, I'll fuck it, buy that. But, oh, it's 50 quid extra for that steak, buy that. Or... I'm across the table. Do you want me to buy yours as well? The bikes are fixing expenses. Money they were not going to spend. And remember, you'll still pay tax on it. So there's nothing wrong with putting it through because you'll save personal tax. But don't just like treat everybody just because that, because ultimately you'll still pay 90% tax on it. Yeah. Whilst we're on the topic <coughs> of expenses, should coaches be keeping the receipts of their purchases? Yes, 100%. And this is the world of online. Pay everything by card, keep everything as an online receipt. Um, there's plenty of software out there. We use a software called Dext, um, which I I would not advise anyone to go and buy because we pay, I think, an individual. It's £300 a month for the individual. We pay, a for, we pay a big fee for like a management fee for hours. Um, for a business but what it allows us to do is it hooks up to our bookkeeping software so every transaction they get a phone app it's a phone app gives you the transaction you click on that you take a photo of the receipt or you attach the receipt for your email but i would say guys keep those receipts and the main reason that is people always think i'm never going to get audited i'm never going to get audited it's fine i don't need my receipts remember 15 percent of hmrc's audits are completely and utterly pulled at the hat random they are. Um, people always think I'm never going to get audited. There's a, there is a low chance you get audited, but remember, fifteen percent of them are completely random. So if you do get audited and they come and look at these transactions, and even if it was a business expense, let's say it was a business expense and a thousand pound business expense, and you don't got a receipt, you're paying tax on it. You know what I mean? So keep it there. Keep a folder. My best bet I can give guys is don't worry about categorizing things and sticking them and. Just, 
putting them to anything like that's just going to take up too much of your time. That's what the counting is for. But have a folder and just stick it in there. Like if it's an email, take a screen. Like you don't need to like have the specific email. Take a screenshot of it. If you've got a physical receipt, take a photo of it. Just stick it in a folder, whether it's in an album in your phone as photos or whether it's in a G drive. Just take photos and stick them on so you've got a big bank that should the worst happen, you're fine. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Um, if I've heard conflicting information on this before, which is why I'm asking, so I know other people will probably as well. <laughs> Is it sufficient to have the bank transaction? No. No. No, no, because ultimately it doesn't give you the bank. It is in the sense of when you may be doing something like consultancy or that, but if you're buying something like a product or that, no, you would need to have the receipt. But this is why it's great these days for like Amazon, et cetera, because all these are always stored on Amazon anyway, so you can always go back and grab them. You can always go back, buy, back and get stuff, but no, you would need to have the actual receipt or invoice for it um, should you get all day because they want to see the individual item on it. And if you're VAT registered, it's even more important because technically you should have registered, you, you could get audited for VAT anytime. There's a much higher chance of that. And some accountants won't, especially we, we do this, we won't actually put things through for VAT for a client unless they can find the VAT receipt for it. Yeah. Um, so if you're VAT registered, anything that you're paying, you're claiming back in VAT, keep your receipt. Just stick it, as soon as you bought it, stick it in a folder. You know what I mean? It's done at that point. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that one of the benefits of becoming a limited company is that you that you can pay yourself in dividends and, you know, you pay less as a result of that. What is the difference between a salary and a dividend for those who don't know? So salary is essentially just payment from a company. So that is payment from, a, if you're a if you're a limited company, you're a sole trader, you'll pay normal self-assessment tax. And if you're a limited company, you may set yourself for pays you earn. So you're an employee of that business and you'll pay the normal tax rates um, as anyone would apply. Dividends, is the easy way to describe this is, is a percentage in the profits of that company. So the, if you are a, a shareholder in your company, so you've got a limited company, you own 100% of it. As an online coach, you pretty much run a 100% profit-driven business. You've got expenses, but the vast majority is profit. You can only pay yourself dividends and profits to your business. So if your business made 10,000 profit this year, you can only take £10,000 worth of dividends. However, you can pay yourself more of a salary because you don't need to pay, because salary can be paid out with your profits. So the benefit of dividends is it's taxed at a lower rate and you don't pay national insurance on top of it as well. Easy way to describe dividends is if you stuck money in Apple right now. Apple, I don't know if that, is it Apple do dividends? I'm trying to remember. There's certain, it could be Microsoft, but I think they do dividends. So Microsoft, you put, if you stick a thousand pounds in Microsoft right now and Microsoft is doing well, every quarter they issue dividends to their shareholders, right? All you're doing in your company is every month you're issuing, instead of paying yourself a salary, you're issuing yourself dividends, which are taxed at a lower rate. So dividends are taxed at up till 50K, 8.75%. So if you take... A thousand pounds dividends, you pay eighty-seven for eighty-seven pound tax, eight, uh, eighty-seven pound fifty tax. After the high tax bracket, it's thirty-three point seven five. Whereas paying yourself on a salary is twenty percent up to fifty k plus national insurance, and then after fifty k, it's forty percent plus national insurance 
on top of it. So you can see the benefit at that point of selling yourself dividends is just so beneficial. And then if you are being smart about it and you've got a limited company and you're paying yourself, you get really, really smart and techy with it. You pay yourself on a salary and a dividend structure because at that point you can save even more tax because even though you're a shareholder in that company, you can still pay yourself a salary. So we get guys, this is probably the easiest structure to describe for people is we get guys set up as an employee of their company and we'll pay them a tax-free salary. So we'll pay them a salary up till the tax-free amount. So you're allowed £12,500 a year completely tax-free. Um, everybody who's an employee of a company gets 12 and a half grand completely tax-free. So we set you up as a company, uh, an employee of that company. We pay clients, uh, we pay employees a bit less. I'm not confuse people though because I'm confused me right now. But let's just say you take that full amount tax-free, right? 12 and a half grand. And that means anything you pay yourself on dividends from 12 and a half grand to 50K, you're only paying 8.75% tax on it compared to 20% plus 9% national insurance. Yeah. And say someone's got their salary, so they're paying themselves the same salary every month. How do they go about paying themselves dividends? Like, when do they do it? And how do they know how how much to sort of like pay themselves in dividends? So actually paying yourself is really easy. There's the, the way you issue a dividend is all done in the background. When you need to actually claim money, you just send yourself money for your business. Like that's the way, best way to describe to people is if obviously with clients, we try and come up with a best, like a certain amount to pay them, et cetera. But if someone's listening here and a bit confused, you can pay yourself whenever you want, whatever you want, right? All you need to be doing is if you are issuing, if you want, let's say you've paid yourself, you get to the end of the year and you paid yourself 40 grand, right? Let's say you've paid 40,000 pounds to yourself, right? Cool. When you come to do when you come to do your bookkeeping, you will make sure that you send your you get yourself set up for a page you earn through HMRC, and you'll declare whatever amount you want as a salary. So let's say twelve thousand five hundred pounds as a salary. So you'll declare that you got pay you'll issue a pay slip to yourself for twelve thousand five hundred, and then the rest of it you'll just declare as a dividend. And what you would do is you just issue a dividend certificate to yourself. Google a dividend certificate is very easy and you can just basically issue a certificate to yourself and it just basically clarifies that that 40 grand that you basically just bank transferred yourself all the time throughout the year, you then it's just how you categorize it at the end of the year. So this is where you definitely need an accountant at that point because like I said in your bookkeeping, what we do with clients is basically we issue pay slips each month, we do payroll for them. So we always plan it at the start of the financial year where we'll go, right, cool, this is how much your tax-free salary you're getting each year. Right, divide that by 12. And at the end of each month, we'll run payroll, issue them a payslip for that, issue them a payslip for that. They'll still be paying their sell, whatever it is they pay their sell each month. But then that clarifies that a portion of that payment they sent their sell a salary. And when it comes to each quarter, we'll then just declare dividend certificates for the rest for them. And that makes it real. Once again, it might sound really confusing to some people, and it is like it's not the easiest thing in the world. But the best advice I can give you is. Pay yourself what you need. Make sure you've got make sure you've got enough profit. That's probably the main thing to do is make sure you run your books and make sure you've actually got profit in your business. Because if you're paying yourself six grand, but you've only got five grand profit, you're only lose five thousand pounds worth of dividends. The other one thousand needs to be at salary. But just make sure that you run your profit, and after that, just send yourself the money you need, and you can deal with it. Either if you've got an accountant who deals with each month, or you deal with it year end. As long as you deal with it, but properly at the very end, you'll be fine. Yeah, because I was confused when I first started with my current accountant. He told me about this, and he was like, "So we're going to give you a salary of this month each month, and then nine thousand and seventy pound a year." You are. Is it nine thousand and seventy pound a year? I can't remember. 
it will be, because that's the amount that we get people to pay. That's when an accountant gets people to pay themselves, so you get to dodge national insurance. Yeah, probably. He was like, so yeah, set yourself this amount as like a direct debit every month. That's your salary. And he said, whatever you need on, ta- on top, that can just be dividends. And I was like, what? So I can just like transfer myself money. Like I just didn't get it. I was like, what do I do? Just like a bank transfer? Or do I have to like do something official? And he was like, no, just literally transfer yourself money if you need it, basically. The art of accountants done in the bookkeeping. It's done on yeah. the and it's done on what you actually you actually show it as. But in terms of when you want to pay yourself, I always just tell people, right, just send yourself your money each month. Make sure you reference that salary or dividends, and then we'll deal with it. We'll deal with it for you. But like people are always like, oh, I only sent myself two grand this month. I need three because I'm going holiday. Cool. Send yourself a thousand pounds in. You've got it in the bank. Oh, I didn't know I could just do that. Yeah, you can. That's fine. <laughs> like, yeah. As long as you've got the money sitting there and you've got the profit, send it. People are always like, no, I need to wait until my next uh, standard order comes through, until my next uh, payment comes through. Like, no, you can pay your money at any time. Yeah, that's exactly what I was like at the start. I was like, what? So I can literally just send it myself. <laughs> it's <was> really weird. <laughs> but I think it's it's common to be like that because it's easy to worry about like all of the official stuff. But in reality... As reassurance for those of you who are personal trainers and online coaches listening, like that is the job of an accountant to sort those things out for us. We don't have to, you know, that the background stuff, that's that's your job. That's why we hire people like you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but now it's it's like that thing, is it? Remember when you're self-employed, HMRC only care when it comes to tax year end. There's a reason they're not tracking you throughout the year. Now they make it like like I say, there's always a chance that if you're a limited company, they might come in and audit you anytime. But like I said, as long as you know what you're doing, as long as you, I would always say, everyone, do your books. Like, make sure you do your books. Whether you do it on QuickBooks, at zero, that's what we use. Or even if you use a spreadsheet, keep on top of them. Make sure you know how much profit you've got in your business. See, after that, it's fine. It can be dealt with year end. Obviously, we like to deal with it proactively with clients because it helps that financial peace of mind everyone we talked about. But to the person that's maybe, maybe not earning enough for an accountant or they maybe just want to do it themselves, and then we want to sort it out. Just Danny, that's not a stress you need to worry about. Like you can just essentially send your some money when you, when you need. Um, but I suppose the biggest thing is make sure you do your book. That's the thing I say to people all the time is like, please do bookkeeping. It's boring, it's shocking. It's the reason why we do it for our clients because clients don't want to do it. So we do it for them. But if you're not going to count it, do your books. God, it's so important because once again, the problem is with dividends is you could get caught out. We've seen people where they've sent themselves too much dividends. They've just been like, oh, I've got this money in the account. I'm like, yeah, you've got it in the bank, but it's no profit. You know what I mean? You've sent yourself so much profit. It's so much more. And you can't, that, you've maybe sent yourself £5,000 more than you can. I'm like, see that extra 5K? You're going to pay a lot of tax on that, mate, because it's no longer a dividend because you can't. So as long as you're doing your books, you'll be fine. Just transfer the money when you need it, as long as you've got it. Yeah, I think that's really good for for peace of mind. And you mentioned earlier how you, through what you do, have sort of helped a lot of clients get mortgages when they didn't think that they would previously have been able to. How can we as online coaches and personal trainers actually improve our chances of getting a mortgage? So um, first off, all I can say is anyone looking to get a self-employed mortgage, I'm the mortgage advisor, but we have Tom, and make mortgages easy that's your partner mortgage advisor so he anyone all their clients get free access to them but if you're not a client of ours reach out just type in instagram tom at make mortgages easy he specifically works in self-employment and online businesses that's his niche is who he works with so if anyone's struggling going to that but in terms of actually getting a mortgage 
Two factors. First thing is your transactions and your um, bank statements to keep in the date. And secondly, the amount of profit you've got in your business. First and foremost, number one thing you can do is make sure your credit rating is good. Have a look at your credit rating. Go and get Experian or go and get ClearScore. They're all free these days. Check what your credit rating is. That's ultimately what the most important thing. If you've got a bad credit rating, you're probably not going to approve for a mortgage. Check where it's at. But let's say you've got a good credit rate and you've been paying off your credit card each month. That's not enough when you're self-employed, unfortunately. Maybe if you're fully employed in the job, that is, but that's not enough when you're self-employed. Your bank tra- your bank statements will get, will go, they will go through your bank statements with a fine-tooth cone. So you need to, this is where we tell people all the time is, what the bank, what the lenders hate. People, lenders hate people paying their sale in dribs and drabs each month and small amounts here and 50 quids here and 100 quids there and 300 pounds there. Lenders like stable money coming in every single month. And this is what we do with our clients. And it contradicts obviously in the last point what it says you could do. Best practices, pay yourself a salary each month, say yourself a set amount each month. Remember, then you get a lender, they're not reviewing your business's books, they're reviewing your personal transactions. So make sure there's not things like gambling accounts in there. Make sure there's no things like, this sounds weird, but only fans and stuff like that in there. These things actually do get taken into account. Um, and then obviously making sure that you've got your salary coming in. The big one they want to see is like in the 1st or the 28th or whatever day of the month you choose, one payment coming in and they don't want to see all that getting used every single month as well. They want to make sure that you're actually leaving money over. So if you're in overdraft, etc., try and get yourself out of that if you're self-employed because the game does change. And the most important factor to if you're self-employed for getting a business, I say this all the time, and this is where it kind of defeats the purpose of having a very, very tax-efficient accountant. This is the only time we can't be very tax-efficient. That the mortgage lenders don't care if you made £200,000 this year. They don't give a fuck if you made £200,000 this year. They care about how much profit you put in your business, right? So obviously with most clients that maybe got a mortgage or they're not looking for a mortgage, we'll try and write off as much of the profit as possible. Why? Because it brings a tax bill down because you only get taxed on profits. The less profit you've got, less of a tax bill you've got. However, unfortunately, when it comes to getting a mortgage, they take your profit in account. Now, the easy way to describe it is, in general, to figure out if you can afford a mortgage, it's four times your profit. So, for example, you can make 200K this year, but let's say you only put through 20 grand profit. Right, cool. They're only going to offer you a mortgage up to about 8,000 pounds, even though you make more than double that a year. They're only going to offer you that because that's the profit that's going for your business. So this is where planning, this is exactly why we, we partnered up with Tom, because we have to sit down with clients and sit and plan like a year in advance so we can identify, right, how much are they going for? Let's say you're going for a £200,000 mortgage on yourself, with yourself, right? We need to get through minimum 50K profit in your business, right? You're going to accept that you're going to pay a higher tax bill this year to get that mortgage just because of that. So I say to people all the time, it's like, if you're going to go for a mortgage, please tell us, let's plan in advance, understand that we may need to put through more profit than you want. We might not be able to expense this, that, and the next thing this year. And we may need to pay a higher tax bill, but it's the only way you're going to get a mortgage as a self-employed individual because they only look at your profits, not your income. And I've seen so many people like six-figure earners, like, I can afford a 200 grand mortgage. I'm making 15 grand a month. I'm going, yeah. You've only put through 25 grand profit this year, mate. You're not getting a mortgage. You're not going to get a mortgage for them because they care about that. They care about your profit in your business. So there comes a time where you need to plan and be smart with it. 
and then ultimately plan in advance. And the good thing about that is if you've got plenty of time, let's say you're going for mortgage in three years, generally there is a lot of mortgage lenders that are allowing one year's books these days. Most of them are two though. But if you've got two years in advance, it allows you to plan in advance. So you then know, right, cool, I'm maybe making 200 grand, 200 grand a year, but I need 50 grand a year profit for my business in the next two years. So that allows us to plan if we know you need 50 grand profit, we know exactly how much tax you're going to pay on that as well. So we then just stick, stick that money at the side every single month for your tax bill, and then we put through 50k profit, and it allows you to get a mortgage. So it's harder as a self-employed individual. There's a lot more thinking that goes into it. Um, but I think the main thing is keep your statements clean. Keep your payments very, very as minimal as possible in terms of how many times you're paying yourself. What was Make sure you've got enough profit coming for your business to have, um, kind of and afford the mortgage because it's so important. And I, that's just it's it's a complex subject for some people. I would advise reaching out to Tom, but you'll be surprised um, that there's a lot of lenders out there that will lend to you, and even some will lend on one year's books. And, and a bit of help actually, if you're a personal trainer that's moved into online coaching. So if you're a personal trainer that was employed full time, maybe for Pure Gym or employed for another gym and you were on a salary from them and you moved to being self-employed, you actually you will get away with one year's books because it's seen as you're still working in the same industry. So they'll take that into account knowing that you've been working in that industry for a while. So there's loads of different little kind of unique things to it. But main thing is make sure you've got enough profit come for your business. They don't give they don't care about your 15k months. They care about how much money you're um putting through profit at the end of the year. Yeah. And it's also, it just emphasizes how important it actually is to be smart with your money because it's all well and good in, in you know, if you're working with a business mentor and they're like, oh my God, amazing, like you've made 15K this month, great. But like, if you spend it all, what's the point? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like- it's, 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 it's just like, it's mad. It's mad. Like I see so many coaches, like, like I say this at the very, very start. Most accountants do not understand this industry because there is not many industries in the work out there that have so one, I call it one man bands. That's what we are. Just like online coaches that make so much money and make so much profit. Like with an online coach every single year to bring that tax bill down, we are looking for expenses. Most businesses aren't looking for expenses because they're buying in stock, they're buying in this, they're paying off rent, they're paying rent, they're paying utilities. Like they've got enough expenses going for anybody. They want as much profit as possible for their business. You know what I mean? They actually want to reduce their expenses. The coaches were actually trying to find as much as possible so they're not having to pay as much tax because such a unique business that can make so much money. But also what I'll find is, and I see this with a lot of coaches is, because this is such a new industry that's quite unique, I'd probably say 90% of coaches have come from maybe a lower-earning job or a normal-earning job to now making astronomical amounts of money compared to the make before. Most people can't handle it. They have no idea how to handle that type of money. And I say this all the time, see handling six figures a year, that's hard. Like You need to get good at that. Like You need to be good at handling six figures. There's no somebody, you can't just give someone six figures a year and they're going to be great with it. Like it's you need to be smart with your money. Um, but it's it's one of these things. People get better over time. I think as the industry gets bigger, the longer it goes on, it will get more normal. But at the minute, like it's how many coaches did you see driving about in silly cars? <laughs> They're just like so many. Right, you can afford that, you can afford the monthly payments just now, but have you thought about the next four years? <laughs> yeah, I know it's mad. And 
You mentioned sort of checking your credit rating if someone was to want to look for a mortgage at some point. How can we actually go about improving our credit rating as online coaches or personal trainers? Well, probably the easiest one, and everyone's been taught this by their parents, get a credit card. <laughs> uh, get a credit card and pay it off every single month is probably one of the easiest things. First, make sure you're on a lecture roll. That is e- the easiest one. Um, if you go on Experian or ClearScore, Equifax or whichever one, it'll tell you if you're on the um, electoral roll to vote or not. If you're not, get that done because that will increase it by quite a considerable amount. Then after that, there is, if you've got extremely low credit rate, and I'm talking like in the bin, there are certain cards out there called credit builders that they will let they will give you a credit builder card and you will essentially put money in that each month and buy items and then put money in that each month and that will slowly help build it up. But if you've got a generally average credit rate and you want to build it up, get a credit get some credit like a credit a credit card and pay it off each month. Pay off the balance. <coughs> sorry, <coughs> and pay off the balance each month and patience. Don't miss payments. Make sure you're paying every single month on time. Um, and apart from that, the biggest way to build your credit score is simply patience. Like, ultimately, pay things off over time. Don't use a lot of the balance in your credit cards. If you've got a credit card there and you're using over 50% of your credit, that will go against you. It'll be negatively affected against you. But if you're paying it off every single month, that'll be seen as good. So just pay all your payments, pay off your credit cards every single month, don't be an idiot with money and just be patient. It takes time to build your credit rating. It's not going to go for five. The top rating is 999. It's not going to go for 500 to 999 in three months. It's going to take a year or two to get there. But you just need a patience that what you're doing has been sensible with money. Um, and don't get lots of credit just for the sake of it. Like you see guys maybe get two or three cars or like, I'll go get this loan, I'll go get that loan. Remember, every time you apply for a utility company, you're getting a credit check done. Every time you apply for your new phone, you're getting a credit check done. If you're applying for internet, you're getting a credit check done. You know what I mean? If you're applying for insurance, car ins- your car insurance, you're paying off down each month because you can't pay the full balance off. You're getting a credit check done. Every credit check you get negatively affects your credit score. So remember, you're, remember that when you're getting a kit, you're, when you're going to do things, factor in you don't want many credit checks all bunched up together. You're going to, need to get them, but don't get them bunched up together. So just be aware. Of if you're getting financing anything and you're paying anything off, there's a high chance there's a credit check involved. Um, and just make sure that you're trying not to get as many as possible because ultimately that will negatively affect your credit rating as well. Yeah, that's really insightful. And you also mentioned how you do end up getting a lot of people to start a pension when they start with you. Why should we invest in a pension and how should we actually go about doing that? Because we have, I ask these people all the time, I went, we're in our 20s, right? I'm nearly 30, I'm 28. Do you want to be online coaching when you're 40? Some maybe do, but some maybe don't. Are people going to invest you in as online coaching when you're 40? And how long are you going to hold off? The thing is at the minute is the state pension keeps going down and down and the pension age for your state pension keeps going up. I think it's 67 now and the state pension is terrible. If you don't start investing now, when are you ever going to do it, Right. Remember, you need to think about your older self. I know a lot of bodybuilders will be like, ah, I'll think about it, what about that later, what about it later? The amount of people I used to work with in the place or the amount of people I've seen who are in their 50s and never paid into a pension and are now paying pretty much half their wage into their pension each month to make sure they've got something when they're 60 or 65 is unbelievable. So best way I'd describe this right now is, remember, if you're investing in a pension, let's say you're investing in a fund, 
any fund, the Vanguard fund, but maybe gives you a 4% return a year. That's just a 4 to 6% return a year. So basically that's how much you're getting return on it. So if you stick a thousand pounds in, you're getting 4% of that back added on accumulating every year. Now, if you're putting a thousand pounds a year in your pension, which is not a lot to be fair, it's like eight pound a month. But remember that compounds every year and every year is 4% on that total amount. So it's compounding and compounding and compounding. And I think it's something like, even if you were to stick £100 a month or £150 a month in your pension just now, if you're when you're 25, up into your 65, if you put in like a 7 or 8% fund, something like you still, you'll have nearly a million quid in that. Like in terms of how it would work, if you got the same returns each year. So it's very, very important to look after yourself. And I say all the time, is like, we have no idea how long you're going to be an online coach because it's such a new business. No one's ever really got to 45, 50 as a coach yet because the industry's not been going so long. So make sure that if you end up having to go back to the workplace or you've got a new business, God forbid you do, that you've always been investing in your future anyway. And then going about setting a pension up, there's two ways to do it. So the way we like to do it with clients is we've got a guy called Chris Drew that works with us, who's a, an IFA, an independent financial advisor. Um, he works with us and all our clients get access to him. And what he does is he sits down with a client and does a financial fact find and he'll cut and basically he'll advise on the best pension scheme for them based on what risk tolerance they've got, um, where they want to stick their money, their interest, etc. And he'll come up essentially where he wants to stick their money. So that's an IFA. That does have a cost, of course, to get an IFA because obviously they're advising you. If you want to do it yourself, there's companies just like Pension B, Scottish Widows. God, there is loads. Um, pension companies. Just type into Google pension comparisons. Um, just type in if you're a limited company, put limited company pension, or if you're a self if you're a sole trader, put in SIPs or self-employment pension plan um, into Google. And it'll give you basically a, a it's a bit like we buy any no we buy any car and what's the go compare yeah money supermarket and it'll do some comparisons and then you literally just go in you put in your details you sign up it'll give you a list of risky funds non risky funds where and obviously you can look into it if you want this is why an IFA is good because they do the thinking for you but let's say you stick it in a low risk fund you tell them how much you want to pay a month and boom you've got pension set up. You can't claim that money until you're older or unless you die. But what it does is it sets up for your pension. And also a big, big point when it comes to pensions. Pensions are profit deductible. And what I mean by this is you can contribute up to £60,000 a year to your pension. I have no idea why you would do that unless you're super rich. But you can. £60,000 in your pension. So basically we're talking about saving on tax. If you've got £50,000 profit in your business and you paid ten grand in your pension, Profit's now only 40 grand, which means you're only paying tax in the 40 grand. You've saved 10 grand worth of you having to pay tax. You will pay tax when you retire, but by that point, hopefully it's compounded so much that it doesn't matter. You've got that much interest in it. You made that much profit. You're kicking the can down the road, but it's saving you tax and it's investing in your future. So I would always say it's a great business expense as well, um, having a pension. You know what I mean? If you're making that much money, you, you didn't need it, stick in a pension, it's saving you tax. Yeah. Love that. And I think it's important for people to consider, because like you said, a lot of online coaches, personal trainers, they are young and it's probably something that they think, oh, I'll worry about that later. But like you said, actually, if you start now, it can really compound over time and it can be the case that you just invest like a really small amount a month. It doesn't have to be anything crazy, but Mm -hmm. it will add up and it's much better than getting to like your 30s or 40s and having to invest an absolutely huge amount of months to actually make it worth it. 
Yeah, of course. So it's just like it's just making sure you've got the plate, making sure you've got yourself covered in that front. Because, like I say, there's so many people who get to that age and not have anything. Yeah, just not have any place. And at that point, like, what are you going? How, what are you going to do? You're just going to lie in the state pension because, like we say, it might not be there. Um, the biggest one actually, Dan, it brings me on in terms of pensions because this is the biggest number one factor that coaches don't have. I don't know if even like. Everyone I spoke to doesn't have it, and I don't know if anyone's heard of it. Self-employment protect income, self-employment income protection insurance. This right. is something that coaches. Once I tell people this, you'll understand exactly why coaches need it. So I always like to describe to coaches like, right, cool. You're an only coach right now. You make ten thousand pounds a month. Fantastic, right? What if you were to injure yourself that badly that you couldn't work? What if you were to get ill, to ill that you couldn't work? What if you were to have a mental health? instant that you couldn't work your clients are not going to pay you they're going to leave let's say you're out for six months and i can't do anything like it could happen if you're employed by a company you'll get sick pay that you'll have insurance health insurance through there etc if you're self-employed there's nothing you know what i mean there's absolutely nothing you can get for that unless you've got critical life cover what you can get is a thing called self-employment income protection insurance that is insurance policy you pay into each month it's a smaller amount, it's like 30, 40 pounds a month, it's worth it. But should that happen, you're covered. So I always tell people all the time, like, what happens if like you injure yourself, especially these bodybuilders and deadlifters that lift these obscene amounts of weight or people that use obscene amounts of anabolic steroids that are putting a lot of pressure on their health. What happens if you can't work? Oh, I don't know, I don't know. I'm like, have you got any sick pay in place? Like, no, like, cool. Why do you not just pay a small amount every month in a self-employment income protection insurance plan? Because what that does, it can it covers you. That should that happen and everyone leaves you, your salary is covered. You know what I mean? You've got that in place. And it's something that so many coaches miss out on. That it's such a simple thing that you can literally just go into a comparison website, income protection insurance, go go get go through, go through, get it done, figure out how much money, how much insurance you need, how much a month you would need if you were to claim it. And then what that basically does is allows you to kind of have that peace of mind that. You know I mean, should I get really sick? I'm fine. You know what I mean? How many coaches will think about if I get really, I can't afford to get sick. I can't afford to get this. You, you can, if you've got that insurance policy in place. Um, it's a big one. And this is one, one of the first things we do every single one of our clients is mandatory. Obviously, we can't advise them to go and force them to get it, but we advise them, like, get income protection insurance in place if it's such a small fee. Um, but it makes so much of a difference. Like I said, that financial peace of mind, talking about making those risks, those decisions, had known that, I've got this in place should the worst happen. Yeah. I actually, funnily enough, had heard of it because I did go and see a financial advisor and he told me about it. Um, but that, like, if I hadn't gone and seen him, I'd had no idea. Like, no one tells you about it. No, they don't. No, they don't it's, it's not a big thing. Like, people, it's not really that big a thing. And then, like, like, everyone always talks about insurances that you need to have. You need to have, obviously, public liability insurance, etc. No one talks about income protection insurance. Um, I don't know why. Once again, it could be because the industry is so new. But seeing every other industry is very, very prominent. Everyone has it. Everybody has it. Um, you'll look at self-employed, um, like guys who like manual labour workers, bricklayers, labourers, all these guys that do manual. They've all got it. You need it. You ultimately, what happens if what happens? You kind of work. They're not going to pay your salary. You're self-employed. And I think one of the best pieces of, of advice for personal trainers. And online coaches is to treat themselves more like a business because mm. a lot of people almost do you know online coaching and personal training as if it's a bit of a hobby 
but yeah. if they were to treat themselves and th- their service more like a business it would do them well in so many different ways oh it's just it makes such we get into people at their time and make a difference in the way you treat your money it makes a way a difference it makes a difference in the way you treat your clients it makes a way a difference in the way you treat everything if you treat yourself like a business like how many clients this is no money really but how many coaches do you see burn yourself out because they're working to 10 o'clock 11 o'clock at night because they feel like they need to and i'm like right what other business in the world do you see that applies at 11 o'clock at night? But I feel like I have to. I'm like, you don't need to. When your client doesn't expect you to do that, it's a business. It's a job at the end of the day. How many people don't take the weekends off? I now don't, I don't work Saturdays on these. Like, I will reply if people need a reply. I'll look over it. But I don't need setting calls on a Saturday, Sunday because it's business. It's your job. You need to love your life. So it's like anything. Sit down and treat every aspect of your business like it's a business. And it will grow. You know what I mean? It will grow in that way rather than treating it as if it's people get too precious. Oh, it's all mine. It's all mine. This. Yeah. Treat it like a business. 100%. And you mentioned sort of being VAT registered earlier. Is it, would you say it's worth anyone considering staying under the VAT threshold? If you have no, um, no I'm not going to say ambition because that sounds horrible. If you have no desire to go and earn more than £85,000 a year, of course. I would. However, what I will say is if you're an ambitious person that wants to grow a successful business, now it doesn't mean you need to be a multi-millionaire Andrew Tate that wants to drive about in Bugattis and super rich. 99% people don't want that. People just want to be comfortable. But if you want to grow a successful business with a lot of profit, that is just something you need to accept. Um, it's unfortunately one of those things. And you need, this is where most people go wrong, is most people think as soon as they go VAT registered, they need to fall into the 20% VAT bracket when they pay 20% VAT. Um, which basically, guys, if anyone's listening, as soon as you broke the 85 grand mark, every single penny you earn, the 20% bracket means you pay 20% to the tax man. So if you earn 100k that year, 20 grand goes to the VAT man. That's no tax, that's VAT. That's how much 20% goes. But... You need to remember as well that VAT was created for a reason so people could claim back. So obviously people that buy maybe like a manufacturing company, that buy in tools, that buy in items, they claim back the VAT on that. So it doesn't actually work it as bad. We work in obviously a low-cost business when it comes to these side of things. So there was a set, there was a thing called the flat rate scheme that was invented for people like us that didn't have a high amount of costs into the business, which allow us to pay a small percentage. So for online coaches, there's a scheme that we see that's called the Sports and Recreation Scheme, which is 8.5%. Your first year, it's 7.5% because you get a 1% discount, which basically means that you only have to pay 7.5% VAT on your earnings. Yeah, it's still shit that you have to pay 7.5% everything you earn. But once again, it allows you to scale your business. Like I said, if you're, all, if you're staying below that 85% VAT marker, that's great. If you're happy to stay there, for the, happy to stay there. But... If you want to grow your business and expand it, this, that, and the next thing, you're going to, need to breach it. But remember, it doesn't just mean you need to go straight into a twenty percent bracket. Yes, that would cause a little baller, but there's other alternatives. And this is obviously why accountants are here because we know so many people don't know about these flat rate schemes. It's like, well, you can go into this, and it's a lot cheaper for you. Um, and one thing on the VAT thing, don't set up two companies. See, some of the people like I've set up, I'm, I'm close to the VAT threshold. I'm going to set up another company. I'm like, that's illegal. <laughs> That's illegal. You can only set up another company if it's doing a completely different purpose. And that's not one one-to-one PT and an only coaching. That is one's a coaching business, one's a physical gym, one's an accountancy firm. You know what I mean? That's the difference. So 
like maybe one could be a, a membership site. We've the physique collective, obviously that's a separate company because we've got a, a membership site, but they need to be serving different purposes in terms of what they do. But I always say like that is just a fact. Like if you want to, you want to grow a big successful business, that's just something you need to accept. Don't fear it. It's something you need to do. It should just drive you to keep pushing your business forward. Um, so hope that answers it. But I see so many people like, oh, I'm close to it. I might, I'm just going to stop taking clients and I'm going, right, cool, cool. Are you just, is that your business where you're just going to stay here? And I'm like, well, no, I want to grow it. And I'm like, well, don't you let VAT stop you figuring your business? Just treat it as if that VAT's going to help you push on your business because you need to keep earning more. Yeah. Would you say there's a time and place for like, say someone's like nearly at that threshold, would you say it's worth them like just hanging there for a bit and sort of building up inquiries, interest, really building up momentum before pushing over it? Depends. I mean, if you've got that luxury, if you've got that luxury, of course, ultimately it means you can then just sail past it. However, how many people do you know that have got that luxury that set that mark, that mark and then are like, right, I'm going to set, I'm going to build up 20 inquiries at once. I don't think most people have that luxury. So what I would tell is, like, remember, when you register for VAT, it's not like, I need to start paying VAT straight away. When you register for VAT, you don't pay your, your that's when your VAT starts. So you won't pay, you pay VAT quarterly. So it's done in quarters. So you won't actually have to submit your first VAT return for three months after that date, and you won't have to pay it till four months after that date. So you've got time, you've got that three month period after you register to keep building the business anyway, to ensure that you sail right past it. Um, bye. It's um, if we had the luxury, of course, <laughs> I'd always say do that. But at the end of the day, um, I don't think most coaches have that luxury, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm just playing devil's advocate and thinking about it. What it makes sense, so it does. If you if you could do that, great, fantastic. Build up the inquiries and take them all in a one up. <laughs> um, and this is sometimes a downside to people that take big, big upfront payments. I see people that I take my year up front. I take mm -hmm. my years up front um, once rather than take the monthly recurring. Um, and it means while they'll take in more money um, up front, they get more money in, it gets them closer to beating that, breaching that VAT threshold. Because VAT is done in a 12-month basis. As soon as you've made over 85k in a 12-month basis, you register for VAT. So sometimes there's a thing to be said for taking monthly recurring because your projected amount over the year is still the same as it was, but you don't have to register till later then you would obviously if you're taking this big upfront money in which means obviously once you're registered you're registered and deregistering is a bollock you know what I mean mm -hmm. you need to have a lot of proof and trust me if you're deregistering HMRC want evidence why you're deregistering so you need to provide a lot yeah that's good to know and if you know you've mentioned sort of monthly recurring payments and stuff like that i know i use go cardless is there a specific payment provider you would recommend online coaches or personal trainers using go cardless is straight 100 i like as coach games we use go cardless i've just always used it i like it um Stripe tends to be the most user-friendly if you're a coach that's maybe going to take big upfront payments or you're going to do weird and wonderful payments you'll take two months up front and then they you set up the reoccurring after the third month or something. I think Stripe is great for user-friendliness in terms of if anyone's got Stripe, they'll know the dashboard's fantastic. It tells you exactly. It gives you everything in terms of your dashboard. Um, however, Go Cardless is the best if you want to be money efficient because it is, takes the least amount of fees. Um, but in terms of the difference between Go Cardless and Stripe is Go Cardless doesn't take instant payments if you're setting them up in reoccurring. So if you set someone up today, not collect until like Friday, you mm. set them up in Stripe, it collects now. 
takes the money at the bank account. So if anyone's get if anyone really, really struggles with like anxiety because I've had a lot of buyer's remorse or they've had people basically pull out after two days or whatever, you know, I mean, strikes probably better because then money gets taken out of their account straight away, which means you could probably get more buy-in from the client. Personally, we're accountants, we want to be as money efficient as possible. We just go cardless because it's less fees. You know what I mean? Like, especially if you get if your business makes a lot of money, business making five five figures a month, like those per small, those one, two percent actually make a difference. You know what I mean? It actually does at some point. So um I would deal, I'd always go go cardless. But when coaches ask me that work with us, I tend to get them to go with Stripe just because how user-friendly it is for them to see. And it just cut instant collection of payments. Yeah. Is there any accountancy software that you would recommend? So we use Zero um, for our bookkeeping and accountancy software. Would I advise that the average person use Zero? No, hundred percent not. Um, QuickBooks is a good one. QuickBooks is a really, really good and easy one for most people who are maybe just want to do their own books to use. I think it's twenty quid a month, and you can sign up and use QuickBooks. We use Zero because it does so much more for us. We can actually submit VAT returns, corporation tax returns. It allows us to do so much. It allows us to compile complex reports that break and complex data into like easy to understand reports for clients so we can give them. But if you're just someone that just wants to do their books and doesn't want to do a spreadsheet, QuickBooks, in my opinion, is a really, really nice and easy one um, to use because you just categorize your transactions and it'll tell you how much money you made, how much profit you've made, how much you've spent expenses, and then just stick how much, then you can just figure out your tax for there. Um, but if you want to have a crack at zero, that's probably the best one in terms of it's the one that most accountancy firms use. It's probably the most known one. Um, but if you're not really clued up on this to get QuickBooks easy you can use it on your phone as well so it's easy on there yeah I personally have zero but I let my accountant do most of the stuff on there I just like mm. upload my receipts on there and <laughs> transaction was do yeah. you know what I mean <laughs> most accountants will use zero because for us it's just so like for us, for like our business we understand that like it's just so easy for us to be able to just pull reports, send things to HMRC, do everything we need to do. Whereas QuickBooks, like it's built for ease of use. Zero isn't. Zero's an account zero is built for accountants. Like it's in, I think it's in the name on the website, but for accountants. <laughs> yeah. Built for yeah. accountants. So yeah. No, I think this uh, this podcast has been so helpful. And I think that there will be so many people listening that will take so much from it. And I really hope that you guys who are listening do take on board what Gareth has had to say because it really will make such a huge difference to your business success, your stress levels, your quality of life if you take take this into account and if you invest in an accountant. Gareth, what if you had sort of like one piece of advice for online coaches and personal trainers when it comes to setting themselves up for financial success, what would you say the most important thing was? Two, do your bookkeeping and get income protection insurance in place. <laughs> Love it. Honestly, there is the, the best thing I can always say is anything that's going to give you financial peace of mind is going to allow you, it's going to set you up for financial success because financial success means multi, different things to different people. Some people want the million pound house in Dubai. Some people just want enough money to get by with their family and go on holiday once a year and be able to just not worry about their groceries. But the way you do it is essentially make sure you're aware of it, face it head on, do your bookkeeping, make sure you've got your insurances and your pensions in place. So the two biggest advice I can give anyone, do your bookkeeping, get a pension in place and income protection insurance in place. And then the rest, obviously, 
either hire an accountant, don't do it, do some learning, but those are the things that will essentially for us that we see coaches don't do that tend to make the biggest difference in the long run. Too many coaches think about the short term, you really need to think about the long term because you'll regret it when you get to 50. I mean, people are only living longer these days, you know what I mean? The life expectancy is just going through the roof these days. It's getting really long. Think about what you got to do when you're 70 and 80, 60, 70, 80. You need to make sure you're preparing for that. Like you're earning a lot of money just now. Make sure you look after your older self because you might not be earning a lot of money then. Yeah, love that. And where can people find you on social media? Do you have a website? Where can people contact you? Let me know. So we've got a website, but... Our main focus is on social media. So obviously we're on Instagram, just type coach counts on Instagram. We do daily reels, do content in there all the time, just basic bite size, like bite size information that's specific to coaches. So drop us a follow on there. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, um, if you just type, click the link in our bio, we've got one of those link trees um, and you can book in a free call with us or strategy call. We'll sit down and we'll help you with your finances, figure out if you want to come on board with us. We'll go through a price and we'll go through how we can help you what needs to be done. Um, it's a free call. We've got loads of free resources available. We've got a free budget tracker that anyone can get download. It's a Google budget track, Excel budget tracker. And if you go into our link, you can download that. We've also got a free webinar that probably take goes in a lot more detail with this. It's a half an hour long. Download that. And it's a webinar about online coaches and how to set up your business, how to set up your bank accounts, how to set up your tax pot. Basically, how to set everything up in the very basic form for yourself. So you can download that. We've got a website, which is coachaccounts.com as well, which has just got a bit more of a breakdown in the business, the employees in the business, her her ethos, just everything about us. Um, But for most people, coaches, social media is probably where you'll get us. Instagram, like I say, drop us a direct message as well. We're more than happy to help. The vast majority of information we give out, we give it for free because ultimately, just like we're here to help, we generally want to help people. The many people that just get free advice from us, obviously, because it's just... They need it. I would much rather someone not sit there and not be able to afford to pay us any money, but I can at least give them some financial peace of mind so they can go out and make better decisions. Like, honestly, I would not like to go away someone not having a clue what they're doing after I've spoken to them just because they couldn't afford. So please feel free to reach out and ask us any questions. And then, yeah, social media and uh, our website, you can get in touch with us for there. Yeah. For anyone listening who does want to learn a little bit more about finances and all of that good stuff, I will put Gareth's details down below, including his website and social media and all of that good stuff. And as always, if you do have any questions, please don't hesitate to drop either of us a message. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you in the next one.